0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org.
1: Well Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And joining me today is Dr.
0: Richard Blackaby. Yes, and I'm actually just getting ready to I've got my passport already in my pocket to head to I Norway later today. I see you. you got today. your
1: traveling clothes on. That's right. I'm, I'm ready to hit the long and dusty road across that, the Atlantic.
0: Boy, I tell you, it's a uh, yeah. The the travel, even international travel, is is heating back up again. So. Uh, Certainly. Yeah, so it's gonna be a long day trying to get in some podcasts here before.
1: Yeah, well, something that uh, I know you love to do on long days is mm-hmm. read long books. <laughs> That's
0: and, for sure.
1: Uh, the w- this podcast is going to be a book review, and it's going to be a l- book review of a very long book of which you probably know the exact
0: page count. I do. If I'm not I do. This massive tome sitting here right in front of me as I kind of just flip here, I think it was like 1,276 pages. Yeah, or I thought you know? had committed that to memory. Yeah, well, I often should. Often drop 12, it in. H- 1,276 pages. If you count... All the notes at the back, so okay, which I'm sure you read. Uh, yes, I uh, of course I, I I'm sort of anal about that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, the Count of Monte Cristo and a famous book written by Alexander Dumas, in um, around 1844 or so. He also famously wrote the Three Musketeers, another, another uh, popular book that uh, that I've never read either. And so yeah, I don't gonna, think I have. I well, maybe to, we'll have no, to do maybe I'm that tempted next. to do that. Saw the uh, movie. Think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, and I I don't know that we've reviewed very many uh, books like this, but we're actually having our book club uh, today as well. the 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 lunch has already been ordered, and uh, everybody will be gathering uh, in our our book club review. It's one of the first times we've just read a classic book like this. Yeah, Uh, and you know, there's some debate these days about. Classic books. It can seem like a bunch of uh, you know white dead men's kind of writing, and it's uh, certainly the majority. Not certainly not all. There's some great uh, female writers as well, but uh, the, but there's books that have gone down uh, and uh, have been considered classics. Uh, and you can argue, well, they're considered classics because a certain segment of society reads them and declares them to be classics, but. I, and uh, you know, we—I don't want to go all the way down that rabbit trail to say we only think that these books are good because we've been taught that that's the kind of book that is good. But, but it's kind of like art. I think it is art, really, uh, where you can look at certain paintings and just say, well, just the the use of. The colors and the perspective and and so on the the realism or whatever else you, you look at certain things and say okay I, I may be biased but that Van Gogh just looks a little better than what my seven year old grandson just did you know I love my grandson no. I may no. stick his picture on my refrigerator for a while but it's probably not at the level of that Van Gogh but yet yes yeah yes. yes. and so there are just some books I think that that history has uh declared to be classics and they're they're typically classics not only because they're well written even if they're really long but uh but they they tend also to delve into human nature and the, mm-hmm. the various struggles we have and the issues that we wrestle with and uh that's typically what will put something as more of a classic instead of just kind of a like a comic book kind of just action thriller Um yeah and well
1: and it's the time right like it's a classic because it's
0: it's it's sort of stood the test of yeah, time. Yeah, people are still reading it hundreds of years later, even. Yeah. and so that you know that says something. And and so I I try uh, you know each year I, like I read the brothers Karazim Karazimov Karazimov, however you say that. <laughs> uh, uh, and I've I've tried to read some books like that that are you know mammoth books, but I, I yeah
1: some I, of the some of the 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 more um, Russian literature, you sort of think, like, well, is this a classic because we're told it's a classic? Yeah. Because some of those are pretty slogging to get Yeah, through.
0: and there's, and they'll, I mean, they're good. They'll but go it's... on some, they're not necessarily, well, they seem like rabbit trails sometimes. There'll be a whole, you know, you may go 100 pages on what seems like a sidebar uh, sometimes, yeah. but. And there's a few like I I haven't read Moby Dick yet, and I understand uh, my yeah, my nerdy sidebars, my yeah. nerdy uh, <laughs> son Daniel has read it and said that you know it could be a little tough slugging too, but yeah. uh, a, Anna Karenina a good, a good is, history
1: of whales and and uh, yeah Moby
0: Dick. Uh, I a lot of people said Anna Karenina is considered one of the the the, the best uh, novels of all time. It's been kind of rated like that. I've I've got it. I bought it to, so I could read it, but. Uh, I've got a little shelf of classic books that just periodically I, I'll feel like, okay, it's time to jump in on that one. Yeah, uh, and uh, there is, I think it, it's 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 like appreciating great art. Uh, when you get yourself around stuff that is classic, that's uh, considered some of the best of a genre, uh, especially when it's addressing noble major issues of life, I think it it elevates your thinking. It mm-hmm. elevates your your can just elevate you as a person sometimes as you just process that and you fill your mind with great thinking and great ideas and and sometimes even just having to read carefully and slowly just to make sure you understand what's going on and and you know never hurts sometimes to quickly go to Wikipedia or something and figure out uh, okay well who is this philosopher that they just mentioned mm-hmm. or what is this greek god that they just referred to and uh you know sometimes that's that's good when you have to work through some of that it, it it's um that that doesn't hurt to do that and so i, I you know I, I hey this book's been out for 150 years so if we're if we're going to give away anything to you <laughs> you've had yeah, a long time to be forewarned uh, spoilers ahead yeah some spoiler alert here but uh, at this point, you're kind of without excuse. Um, but uh, of course, this book is written by, and it's about uh, a man named Edmund Dantes, who is just a, a very young man. Um, he's, uh, he's naive, he's uh, innocent, he's uh, noble. He loves his uh, girlfriend, um, Mercedes, and they're all set to get married. And he, uh, he's a, a, a sailor. Uh, an officer uh, uh, for his uh, ship, merchant ship. He's good at what he does. Uh, and really, it, it appears that he has a very bright future. He's marrying uh, the love of his life. He's works for a great employer. Uh, he's skilled. He enjoys his work. He's, uh, his father uh, lives with him, or, and, and uh, he loves his father dearly. And uh, and as he'll as he says at one point in the book, in fact, a couple times he'll say, "Well, I, I, there's nobody." He says, "I have no enemies. Why would anybody want to harm me? I, I haven't done anything to harm anyone else." And mm-hmm. and you, you, so he starts off naively innocent. Uh, he doesn't realize that there are people that will harm him, even though he's never done anything to them. Uh, there, there are evil people in this world. And uh, now this, the, the, one of the arches, I think, in this whole book is that he starts off kind of naively feeling as if, hey, the, the world is good. Life is good. Uh, I like everybody. Everybody he's likes young, me. He's happy. Yeah. Yeah. Why would it? nobody, there's no reason for anyone to hurt me. Um, and so, of course, he's completely defenseless. Uh, he's completely trusting, um and then of course the world's going to hit him between the eyes and uh he's going to go through a very dark period of of anger at god and uh and and suicidal thoughts and wanting to just escape uh the pain and the disappointment and the just the rage of discovering that there are evil people that would conspire against him uh and a lot of it is out of greed and, and out of envy. Um, in fact, uh, he'll eventually meet a, a wise person that says, uh, you you'll, you have to understand, when you're just happily living your life, there's going to be some miserable people out there that envy you for what you have. And mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, I just need to be a hardworking, skilled, uh, kind, nice person like that person, and, and maybe I'll have the similar kind of life, they just envy you and try to take what you have and uh yeah. and they use evil means to get what you got through noble means and so uh and so what's going to happen with uh with edmund is that uh he's going to kind of sh- go from one extreme kind of to the other where he becomes a very brooding angry uh wa- very cunning kind of uh person that plots uh, and is has a very cynical eye toward humanity and uh and and learns very much how to toy with these people. He was such an innocent victim to begin with, and then he becomes so masterful at working with people and manipulating them that he ends up pulling their strings and and pl- plays with them uh and to devastating results in their lives and uh and he and he has to somehow kind of come through all that journey to say well. Uh, what, do I do I like what I've become here? Do I who, mm-hmm. who what have I become? Uh, and um, and you know I think we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago in a podcast about just shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, uh, you you don't want to be just so naive that you're just constantly being victimized. But at the same time, do you want to become this hardened person that just yeah. uh, looks at everyone w- in their ugliest sort of form and yeah? Uh, and so that's one of the, the books. Of course, he, he is, uh, he's lied about, he's set up, uh, he's, and the next thing he knows, he's taken to a dark prison. Uh, he trusts uh, a judge that he thinks uh, is trustworthy, and then uh, that's a huge mistake on his part. And, uh, and basically, he's put away into a solitary confinement in, a, in the worst possible prison uh, for 14 years. And so, for 14 years, this young man watches the prime of his youth uh, spent in misery and alone. Uh, and it just seems completely hopeless. And there's just all the avenues of justice uh, seem to have just been un- un- unavailable to him. And it seems as hopeless as it could possibly be. And of course, no one knows where he's been sent, no one knows where he's been exiled, no one can help him uh even his fiance eventually just just assumes he must be dead and eventually marries uh the very person that betrayed Edmund and caused him to go to jail. Yeah. She doesn't know that, she doesn't know what her husband has done, but um uh she just assumes and she's in a place where she needs someone to care for her and she finally just marries someone else and Um, And of course, everybody moves on with their life and Edmund toils away in a, just a, in a prison and goes through all the journey of anger and hopelessness and so on. And then of course, in like classic uh, literature fashion, uh, really miraculously, he comes across uh, an Abbey who is considered uh, crazy Uh, and he's in jail and, and uh, he keeps trying to tell people that he can give them a fabulous fortune if they'll just release him, or they'll just uh, uh, work out a deal. And and he's this impoverished uh, uh, person that, that everyone just assumes is crazy. And even Edmund doesn't like to talk yeah. about that because he thinks, hey, pretty nice guy. He's kind of a little loony when it comes to this this fortune he says he has, but uh, yeah. otherwise a nice guy. Uh, but eventually Edmund begins to sense that this guy's telling the truth. Uh, he's still not sure if that treasure is there anymore because it's on an island that, that this guy's not been to for a long time. But um, but they begin to have this relationship, and and for really a decade or so, this guy, the older man, just keeps pouring his wisdom into Edmund and teaching him. This uneducated sailor is getting this world-class education and training he and, like learn
1: several languages, I think. Yeah, just you know,
0: it. It, all they've got is all day long, and he's eager to learn, and uh, uh, and of course he's also uh, he's also intrigued with the idea of uh, if I could ever get out of here and find out what's happened to me, and of course this this uh, wise man helps Edmund start to put the pieces together and start to figure out. Um, who who has betrayed him and how it's how it's been done and he starts to realize he does have enemies and uh and so in a in a really an amazing kind of story uh he he escapes and maybe I won't will spoil that but it's um it's a, a daring escape. it's certainly uh, a picture of Christ in a sense the death of one person becomes uh the the freedom for someone else mm-hmm. and uh he he finally does escape and there's so and he makes his way eventually to this island and discovers this fabulous enormous uh uh treasure and there's a it seems that a few years pass where he's putting everything in place and it for many if you've ever just really Felt aggrieved at someone that harmed you, uh, mistreated you, and you thought to yourself, um, "If I just had the the, the wherewithal uh, to get revenge, to just show them, put them in their place. Yeah, you know, if I could just become their boss and fire them, or I could just, you know, have this power somehow." And, and that's essentially every person's dream who's ever been bullied or yeah. uh, mistreated is having the ultimate power uh, to get revenge and to teach people a lesson that have uh, done something wrong. And and that's essentially the story of Monte Cristo is all of a sudden he's got all the money and power and influence that he could ever need uh, to, to get revenge. And... So he spends uh, a, a good decade or more uh, preparing and putting everything in place and studying and learning and, uh, and discovering all the weak uh, places and all the dirty laundry of his enemies. And, uh, and then it, the book picks up where he just begins um, to just very meticulously work out his plan uh, to, to ruin, to devastate the very people that ruined his life. And, uh, uh, and it's a fascinating story of, uh, you know, it it raises, of course, as a classic book will do, it raises a number of issues. And, you know, one is just, um, how much do you let, uh, other people drive your life? Hmm. Uh, do you want to spend, you know, how many people have we known that, were driven to prove their dad was wrong, that I will amount to something. you know yeah. my dad always said I was worthless, no good. Um, or my dad just left home and showed no interest in me and so I, he must not have thought I had any value and I, I'll show him wrong or uh, you know, just lots of of uh, examples where people have spent most of their life trying to prove something or to get even with someone. And you think, what a what a sad way to let someone else be the driving force in your life and what you do. Uh, and that's largely what this guy does, is everything he does is ultimately calculated in revenge. And uh, of course, he sees it. The other thing that's interesting is he sees, and he'll say this, there's a number of quotes where he talks about basically being the providence of God, that that uh God he feels that that's God's calling is to bring justice against evildoers and that that, that God's justice needs to uh, bring you know punish people for their evil and uh, and so he sees very much that that what he's doing is for a righteous cause yeah uh, and again what a temptation that can be yeah to think that we're, uh, because of, I, I really hate people who do that. And so I feel like God has called me to put those people in their place and to punish them. And, uh, and of course, what, it, it, at a certain point in, in the, this book, uh, one of the characters, well, all, all the characters that he came after, all fa- end up in dire straits of one way or another. Um, and at one point, uh It just says that at a certain point when he sees how devastated one of those people becomes when the the count fully brings his vengeance to bear uh the, the Count of Monte Cristo is appalled at at what's happened, and he staggers out into the street and it says for the first time he wonders if he's gone too far, if he has uh of course if you if you're sitting and brooding for a decade about what someone's done to you. <laughs> It may well have been that it was a really bad thing they did, but but a, a decade with no one to challenge you or to help you have any other perspective but your own, uh, we can we can easily get to the point where we see them as this very very close to being just like the devil mm-hmm. and deserving all the hellfires that the devil has coming for him, um, and and then sometimes when all of a sudden reality sets in or we talk to others we begin to realize well maybe they did deserve justice but uh what we what we discover is only god is really capable of bringing true justice and we we've talked about this before where for instance people might say well you know poor people deserve justice and that's true but but then people will say so the way we're going to give them justice is we're going to We'll be unjust to people with money. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll take the money away from wealthy people and give it to the poor. Well, well, in a sense, you're not being completely just. You're being, perhaps, you're being just to the poor, but you're not being just to the rich. And, and so, only God, really, ultimately, you you see in this book, is able to bring true justice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, ours is an imperfect justice at best, and. Uh, And what you also find in this book is that um, we tend to uh, be uh, attracted to bringing justice upon others, but we're not so keen on justice for ourselves. And so at one point, the chief prosecutor who has lied about uh, Dante's and has sent him, uh, exiled him to prison for 14 years, uh, he makes statements about being uh, an instrument of justice and that that's what he does he and yet he's been completely unjust when it came to his own looking out for his own interests Mm -hmm. and uh and so at the end uh his life is just a series of contradictions where unknowingly he goes to uh basically push for someone to be condemned to death and not knowing that the, the person he's condemning is his own son and uh and then, telling his wife that she needs to basically kill herself because of what of her crimes, and then he realizes afterward, well, the only reason she's become so wicked is because she's been married to me and and uh and so here's a person that has spent his whole life supposedly upholding justice, and then he realizes that his own family are a disaster around him. And that his life has had its own flaws and injustice, and um, and so I, I think what it kind of shows us is, you know, whenever you try to take the place of God, we do a, a sorry job of it. Yeah. And uh, and so there's uh, you know there's just lots and lots of um, of issues such as that that uh, that cause you to reflect to say, well, so you know, how how do you go about? Um, pursuing justice in a way that does not just become tarnished by uh our own prejudices and our own sins how do you remain true without you know but still still
1: enacting justice well let's take a break here and we'll wrap up when we come back
0: hello i'm richard blackaby i'm the co-author of experiencing god and here at the Blackaby bible institute we're offering an online class of experiencing god that people can take from around the world no one had any idea back in 1990 when experiencing god was first uh, published that it would be so life transforming and that uh, people would experience revival they'd be set free from burdens they'd carried for years i can't go anywhere in the world without people telling me how this material has changed their life and so we offer it as the black where we have all kinds of video resources a live stream where you can submit live questions and um, get answers from myself and others, and just many different resources that will enhance your experience of taking Experiencing God. So I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the class before, or even if you have, the Blackview Bible Institute will offer you more resources uh, than you could have gotten anywhere else. And so we look forward to studying with you, and we're praying that it will change your life as you do. Well, Richard, before we wrap up
1: here, I will say one thing: that this is a, uh, despite its length, it's a very well-written book, and you wouldn't think that for it being so long, but it yeah. really moves, and it's it's a really exciting uh, read. Um, this, you know, as well as it opens up all of these issues uh, about justice, about revenge, human nature. Uh, what were some, some maybe, final uh, thoughts that you had on? On the account of Monte Cristo. Well,
0: you know, it's interesting. Uh, these characters that uh, early in the book are—they uh, succumb to greed and envy and so on. Later, uh, they all become very respectable people in society. They have these various titles, and uh, they become very wealthy. And yet, it, you realize that um, so much of their their character f- follows with them. You know, when they're when they're just kind of a young sailor themselves or just a young person, they've got these character flaws, and you realize, well, now that they live in a mansion and they have lots of money, they basically still have those character flaws. Um You you just cover them up better, but they're, they're still people with mm-hmm. issues they've never dealt with, and, and and if you don't deal with your issues, you end up with a lot of dark secrets that you just kind of carry along with you. Um And uh, and a couple of things that you notice, too, is uh and in, in in one sense i mean the, the count of monte cristo does pull some strings and manipulate things and and uh and work out a lot of uh stuff to his liking but but in another sense a lot of the of the punishment basically he just plays on people's own flaws he just lets them kind of reap what they've sown yeah. and a, a lot of a lot of his justice in in one sense is just is just sort of exposing people to their own sins and uh, making them pay for it.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's not uh, bringing the
0: justice, but he's just setting the table so that they yeah. sort of and fall you, on their own sword. And there is in a, a sense in which you kind of reap what you sow, and he's just making sure that they, they, they do reap it. <laughs> they you do, know, yeah. they, it looked like they were going to get away with, with not reaping what they'd sown. Um, and, you know, I maybe just want to, uh, final things, um, the, by the way, there is some, it, there, it, for a book written in the 1840s, uh, it does, it, it does kind of touch on some lesbianism. It talks about drug use. Uh, there's a, there's a number of things in there that are probably a little edgy, um, uh, talking about some slavery and so on. And, uh, it's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of a L- lot of stuff there um and some a lot of life you know yeah, drug u- he's kind of advocating drug use uh, for like psychedelic hallucinogens and so on and uh uh which is you know there's there's a, whole, a lot of stuff. Even for an older book it it sort of you know it t- touches you know, on a he, lot of things he's french
1: so you
0: know yeah you so you can give him a little liberal there uh you know and i think uh <laughs> maybe two two or so things uh finally like the count of course is um He's fabulously wealthy. He has uh, there's a there's a course a a a beautiful woman that uh, loves him, but he uh, uh, he's not sure that he he one point says I'm 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 concerned she'd just be bored with me or I'm too old for her or whatever, and the kind of the irony is that in his uh, focus on trying to uh, get revenge on people. He there. He could have love himself with someone who loves him, but he he almost misses it. Right not till the, right at the end of that book, where he basically realizes this woman loves me, and uh, and he almost missed it. He in fact he's about to free her to to leave him and to to, to find happiness, and doesn't realize that she would find happiness with him and. And, you know, I, what that's, what that says to me in part is, and I think the kind of the way the, the book was intended is, you've got these, all these people end up quite wealthy, and yet they're all unhappy. And it's very clear that money does not bring them happiness. Their kids aren't happy. Their marriages aren't happy. Uh, there's all kinds of tension. E- even though they live in these beautiful homes and go to these wonderful parties and uh, have all this influence and fame... Uh, they're still empty. They're they're greedy. They're they're envious. Uh, they're discontent, and even the count is wealthier than all of them, and yet um, he's he, he struggles to just to be happy. And, well, he's uh, just so eaten love. up by uh, revenge that. <laughs> yeah, and you and you think uh, could when you when you try to take the seat of God and uh, play God in other people's lives, uh, that's that's a role that's too big for anyone. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you can get swept away into, uh, a life that's, you were never meant to, to lead. And, uh, w- certainly we can be servants of God, uh, but we need to be careful that we're not. And, and at one point he, he basically says that he was kind of like Satan and tempted to take the place of God. And it's just a role that was too big even for him. And, uh, and so, you know, you look at that and you just think, um, at the end of the day, a uh, fabulous amount of wealth is not going to make someone happy if you miss love, if you mm-hmm. miss relationships. And uh, and interestingly, one of the poorer uh, families is actually the happiest ones. And whenever he goes, when he, they don't live in a mansion like everybody else, but whenever he goes to their house, uh, the Count will actually feel joy and forget about his problems for a while. And... Uh, and uh, there's an interesting kind of theme that goes throughout the book where a number of times it talks about the smile of the count, but but the people that see it will say it was terrifying. Uh, he's smiling, but they're terrified by the smile because it just seemed like a dark, brooding kind of smile that terrifies Sinister, people. Yeah. And, you know, I've often I've thought, well, how many people do you see that on the surface are smiling, but there's a lot of deep, brewing. Anger, resentment, uh, unforgiveness—just yeah. below the surface—and yeah. uh, and you can't hide it. it. It it finds its way out, and uh, and so it's one of those books that. by the very end, it's like the count is finally free. He's he has justice has been served in a very thorough, devastating way upon yeah. all those who harmed him. Uh, but you realize at the same time, you, as you get to the end, you just think, but did he waste some? You know, good years of his life, uh, just trying to make sure that justice was served. And in one sense, would justice have been served anyway? I mean, in the sense that none of those folks were happy. Uh, Yeah, they they had a lot of problems already. They were reaping, Um, but uh, it kind of leaves you with to say, in, in, in an age in which there's a lot of injustice today, it doesn't mean you don't try to make the world better. But, if it starts to be done out of hatred out of resentment uh yeah. it's just pretty hard to bring about justice when you're doing it out of resentment and anger and a sense of entitlement um pretty hard to be the person then that brings justice to others yeah that it's gonna lead you
1: down a, a dark path sooner or later so well uh as I can attest that this is a this is a fantastic read, and I think um these classic Books, although they may not seem it on the surface, can be very helpful in illuminating some of human nature for for other leaders who work with people. And uh, I think it's a, a it's a great sort of escape into into a different world, a different time. But at the same time, uh, learn some very practical uh, takeaways. Yeah, it takes uh, some time. Race.
0: Whether it's a lot of times, I'll try in the summer, or during a holiday, or maybe just in the evenings. Uh, you may, maybe instead of just watching a mindless sitcom for an hour or so yeah. in the evenings, take some time, just uh, you know, take a month or so and just in the evenings uh, read uh, several more chapters of a classic book. And, uh, yeah, and eventually I, you, you too can say you've read a <laughs> 1,278
1: page novel. Yes. So with that, we'll uh, talk to you next time